Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ tissue and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. Tell your friends. I'm Lori Steele. And I'm Nyla Schwab. And Joey Boudreaux is on it's, assignment. Oh. I know. He's making life happen. Yes, That'll love is. it. We'll pick his brain when he returns. But coming up on this episode, episode 233, we have an opportunity to partner with a state agency in order to save more lives. Our goal is to make life happen. Uh, we can partner with folks to make that grow exponentially. And we'll be talking about putting your mental health first. Taking care of yourself involves thinking about your mental health. All right. All that and more right here. Episode 233. Hang on. Here on the Gifted Life podcast, we are so excited to introduce you to our friend, Ashley Rodrigue. How are you? Very good. Thanks for yeah. having me. These days, what you doing? So these days, certainly with the fire marshal's office remaining, trying to make sure everyone stays fire safe. All right. Awesome. I know Ashley. Tell, tell. Yes, Nyla and I were talking about this from, from days gone by in our old lives, right, as news reporters uh, covering the beats, covering things that happen in the community, and now kind of on the other side trying to save lives. That's right. Sort of still trying to make that public impact, but doing it in a different way with a different beat. Yes, and we appreciate uh, the fire marshal's office partnering with us here at LOPA. Our mission is to save more lives together. We can do that as partners, so we certainly appreciate that. So you're here. Nyla and I were kind of going over our notes and we were like, there's a law? Oh, I didn't know I did not know that. Please educate us what's happening with that and why is that so important? Um, From our news days, we used to be out covering hurricanes and and be out there whipping in the wind. And now in the recovery (laughs) process, um, we're seeing lots of impact. Right. And we're still able to tell those stories in an impactful way. And the reason that this came to be is because in 2020, after Hurricane Laura in the southwest part of the state, There were nine lives that were lost, five family members in one home in one swoop one night. And certainly related to, you know, the use of generators and how that carbon monoxide was seeping into homes. And so from that point in that particular situation, we had an aggressive public education campaign that revolved around not only getting out free carbon monoxide alarms, but letting people know what kind of symptoms come with carbon monoxide poisoning, how carbon monoxide poisoning comes to be related to generators. And fortunately, when Hurricane Delta came around six weeks later, we had no carbon monoxide related deaths after that. So that was certainly a win. But I do feel like you hear more about that now, like people are more conscious about it, probably because of that. You guys do a really great on social media. We follow that as well. Uh, When you're in a storm and you're talking about carbon monoxide, I feel like it's in your face. Like you can't, can't miss it. And that's what we've made it to be. So certainly fast forward to 2021, Ida's coming a week ahead of time. You know, we're we're banging the drum about the generators mm-hmm. and the carbon monoxide. And we're having so much help with agencies and really even just organizations like yours dedicated to everyone doing the same thing, trying to save lives and, and warn people about the dangers that are coming, elevating that message. And then so interestingly enough, with Hurricane Ida, we definitely had the attention and we definitely had less impact on lives. The problem was we found there was a new 
issue. And that was in that particular community in the south and southwest, I'm sorry, southeast part of the state, there were a lot more homes that had these standby generators that were automatic kick-on connected to your home. Seemingly, everyone thought that those were much more safe than the portable generators. But unfortunately, what we learned is when they run in a way that they're not necessarily intended to, which is constant for five, six, seven days. Which is what we're used to in mm-hmm. Louisiana following yeah. the storm. Well, and truthfully, though, it really was most of the time we were looking at maybe three, four mm-hmm. days. But we had some serious damage with these storms. These right. are huge storms. So people were having these things going constantly. And they were building up carbon monoxide around their homes without knowing that. But unfortunately, too, we were also finding that some of the installations weren't necessarily in the best places. And so what was happening was carbon monoxide was getting into these homes and the fire departments were getting called by carbon monoxide alarms that people didn't even realize they had with their smart home alarms or even on these particular devices. They come with these alarms. So people were getting the warning, thank God, getting the warning from the alarms um, and so the Learning. people hear the alarm? Yes. Yeah, so okay. the alarm is different than the smoke alarm that we know that has those three elongated beeps. It's almost like a door chime when mm-hmm. someone's coming in. It's beep, 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 beep. But it will keep going to the point where you'll eventually think, what is that? Where is it coming from? Nyla, we would try to turn that off, right? Or sometimes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or sometimes, room, you know, because people have those, you know, Google Nests or whatever those, you know, incorporated alarms are. It's attached to the fire department, like, Notifications, so then they're getting called by. Oh, about that either. Yes. I just thought it was. So the fire department's showing thing. up, and they're like, "What are you doing here?" And they're like, "Well, your alarm system told us that you've got carbon monoxide going on." And they're like, "Oh, is that what that noise is?" So fortunately, there were lots of lives saved that way, but there were many that were not. And so we'll fast forward to the question that you asked, which is, "How did we get to this law part?" And uh, Representative Hilferty from from Metairie actually had this situation happen with her family where they had the whole home generator. They did not have Which a you think is the right thing alarm. to do? Like, I'm right. putting this, we're fine. Right. And Outside. Nothing to worry. Yeah. It's official. It's professional. There's nothing yeah. to worry about. And so they were awake and they were experiencing these, these carbon monoxide symptoms, that nausea, that dizziness, that just confusion and headache. And they were able to put two and two together. They did not have a carbon monoxide alarm to tell them what was going on. When the fire department showed up, they were saying, get out the house, turn this thing off. And uh, I can't remember what specifically was wrong with theirs. I think that was a placement issue. Nonetheless, it led to her to um, certainly learn that there were a lot more of these instances going on, news coverage. And then, of course, our news release is saying, hey, we're learning this issue. Be aware of this. And so it developed into a conversation about creating an alarm. I'm sorry, a law similar to the smoke alarm law that's in place now. And so what became of it is that starting January 1st, 2023, anytime a home Um, one or two-family dwelling home is sold or leased anywhere in Louisiana, it is the seller's responsibility to make sure that a working carbon monoxide alarm is in that home. The only specification about this is that it has to be a sealed battery alarm. So it can't be one where you can just unplug it and throw it out the house when it's making an annoying noise. Or you can't take a battery out of it. You have to address it. So that's the only catch to it. Um, There have been certainly some additions to new home building construction codes that require them multiple and to be in different specific parts of the home. But that is where the law came from, and that is what it is right now. And so when you say law and you have to have these things, it's not a great big expense. There is an expense to it, right? Sure. It's going to be, you know, $20, but what's the cost of a life? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, that's kind of the conversation that we had with industry as this was being developed and put into place and how much of a burden it might be. But at the end of the day, 
what is the cost of a life to have mm-hmm. something as simple as a $20 alarm, just set it on a counter in a general place in your home that's going to keep an eye out for you when you're sleeping. And when carbon monoxide really does its most damage, when you're already asleep and you can't figure out those symptoms that otherwise you would know when you were awake. Because is that the colorless, tasteless? That's is that exactly the right. One? It is the silent killer and it will just continue to put you to sleep and you will not wake up. I'm going to go home and check. I don't think we have one. Do y'all? I mean, I'm going to go check. Me too. I mean, because if the fire alarm goes off, you know, you get the call or, or the alarm when you open the door and you're not supposed right. to. One of the kids opens it and it calls, but I didn't think of it being tied to mm-hmm. the department. Mm. We learned a lot during Ida um, after that, thinking that we had already learned, learned so much yeah. from 2020, but little did we know. And so we have always now, it's not just a short little carbon monoxide message, my my tips sheet is huge now. And so we uh, not only have made this uh, impact here in our state, but we have also been brought in to help out in other states as they're starting Florida specifically after Hurricane Ian in 2022. We we have been credited by them by helping to prevent deaths from the day that we got involved with their recovery. Mm -hmm. There were no more carbon monoxide deaths. And the number one thing that we were tasked with at our fire marshal's office in helping them mm-hmm. was sharing all of our already made materials and all of our processes with them um, from the carbon monoxide distribution to the notes that came with it, how we did it, who we partnered with, uh, to just the general graphics that went across the board um, and the signs. They credited our help with saving their lives there, too. Yeah. And that's what we talk about here. Education is key. Partnering with folks to spread the word and just listen, here's some information. Please take it in and share it with your family. Have those conversations. Yeah. I'm just amazed at how much goes goes into keeping everyone safe. You just don't think about it. Yeah. I I just have never really kind of, I've never thought about it. I mean, you do see the losses and you're like, oh gosh, like a fire. When you see a fire take over a home, but I didn't think about all the work that went behind it. So thank you. Thank you for your department <laughs> yeah. and, and what y'all do there. And something simple like you just mentioned, too, I can tell people that someone's died in a fire. It's not going to impact them unless I show them something or give them the example of who this person is that makes them realize that could be them. It mm-hmm. could be their loved one or something else. Relatable. You make it Correct. relatable. You have to get their attention. So similar here is what we do. We use those testimonials and then they tell their own story and hopefully somebody will listen a little closer. Um, we also find that if you're not impacted by this, that, you know, you're, you you're think kind it of will far never removed happen to you. and you think it yeah, won't happen mm-hmm. to you. And that's what it does. Um, so we, we covered carbon monoxide. Nyla brought up a good point with flames and fire. We see that a lot. We saw a lot of wildfires in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, but smoke alarms, I know we have those at home. Is that a free program that you do? And why did that get started? And how does that work here in Louisiana? Sure. So here in Louisiana, we have Operation Save a Life. And that was started in 2012 um, by then Fire Marshal Butch Browning. And I think that really was just something that he had noticed was happening across the country. And it was a very popular, uh, certainly, impactful uh, program and something very easy to implement. And so since then, uh, there has been more than 115,000 smoke alarms installed in homes across our state. And it continues uh, every year. We have been fortunate over the past two or three years to get FEMA grants to support this effort. And it is simply this. We partner with the fire departments across the state to install smoke alarms in homes 
for free. Certainly, we like to help our most at-risk families first, but the offer is for anyone. Let me tell you what warms my heart when I see the little old lady or the little old man, they're living by themselves, and then they just spend time with these firefighters who are in there just checking to make sure, sharing a glass of tea, like those stories that you guys push at, like, those are... Those, Those are sweet. sweet. Stories. Yeah, yeah, but it, it makes you pay attention. Like, to have I changed the batteries in mine lately? Exactly why I mentioned why I say we like to help the most at-risk families, but sometimes those don't look like you think they would. And so you may have mm-hmm. older people who might have means, but they're older. So they are at risk. They're not as nimble as we are younger or not as quick-minded as we are younger. And so for them, they may have the resources, but they don't have the physical ability to check those smoke alarms mm-hmm. or to think about the smoke alarms, to change the the batteries or have or support to them. Uh, somebody to come in and just Did check that's in exactly. our neighborhood the neighborhood has kind of adopted some of these folks that are by themselves right. because they don't have somebody to cut their grass or different oh, things. That's so, very sweet. So yeah so you need folks right. to come in and, and do this service and they're probably on fixed incomes. And that's part of our, our, our message is listen but also do us a favor if you know someone who lives alone that's a relative or even a neighbor go check on them too. And that sort of is the call to action is don't make it just about you. Mm-hmm. Make it about everybody around you. It's a community. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so that it really is. It, it's just a little bit more. You know, think about when I need to check that battery, you know, every time like we talk about uh, if you're still using the smoke alarms that have the batteries, you have to change with that annoying chirp. Mm-hmm. Try to get ahead of that. Around this time of year is when we're looking at the time changing. And we always say twice a year when the time changes, check your batteries, too. We say I check know the that. Chirp. Okay. Yeah. It's sort of a common practice so you don't get woken up at 3 a.m. with yeah. that chirp. So you make it a common thing where you're doing it at like 2 p.m. So if you happen to miss it one but time. But if you don't do it, then you better get up at 2 a.m., Nyla, and right. change those. Yeah. Well, you have. <laughs> To. Right. It makes so much racket. Oh, right. I am going. I'm taking notes. So y'all keep talking. Right. Yeah. I'll keep learning. So well, in that instance, when you find yourself doing that, make a note for yourself or think to yourself, whoever I know that lives alone or maybe not as capable as myself, when the sun comes up, I'm going to go make sure, give them a call or check on them to see what their smoke alarm situation is. Because let's think about those folks who maybe are a little bit at that point in age less to he- able to hear, so they may not even be able to hear it or know, or they're the ones who have to lay there in the middle of the night hearing it yeah. without oh. the ability to change it because they don't have a ladder or don't trust themselves to be on a ladder, God forbid, um, and all those other things. So look out for yourselves, but certainly look out for your uh, loved ones too. While we have you here, just to pick your brain of things that happened in 2023. So the big thing that was in the news for lots and lots of months was the burn ban, mm-hmm. wildfires, and different kinds of things. And um, that seemed like a large undertaking because – People like to light fires. They have trash to burn in these rural areas, but we needed rain. And where was it? It was. It stayed gone for so long that when it showed up, they were like, "What? What is that wetness <laughs> in the sky?" The the concept of open burning in the state blows my mind. I I don't understand it coming from a city perspective, but I do certainly understand those in a rural environment have a different type of service that comes or doesn't for them, so they have to handle things differently. Or just those who have a lot of uh, you know space and land want to um, keep that tidied up and the easier way to manage it is to just you know put them in a pile and, and burn it. But really, people had a lot of feelings. They do One normally. Way or the other they do about normally burn have yeah. um, a lot of feelings about burn bans in general. You definitely have very similar to COVID. You're hard one side that is like, this is what's best for everyone. Can't you just cooperate? And then you've got your other one saying, you know, stay off my lawn. Don't tell me what to do at my house. 
But this year, it seemed in this particular scenario, even though it was definitely the most extended that anyone can remember in our history, most people got it. Mm -hmm. They understood that the situation with the drought was so different. But the challenge was... As the this particular burn ban got a little bit more deep than normal, uh, when we had to talk about really you shouldn't be you know barbecuing over the next couple of weeks. For, well, for like Labor Day, the Labor Day right, holiday, dude. I would yep. I love to barbecue, and then my husband came home and I was like, we can't. Oh, we can't do that. And so people were like, this doesn't make any sense. And we, again, another scenario where you're learning something that you would have never thought would have been a situation was it wasn't just about the drought. It was the special type of atmosphere. And I'm a weather nerd, so I really appreciated this, you know, getting this from the weather service and understanding it. But there was something about the atmosphere that just happened to be different. In the hottest time of the Mm -hmm. year, you know, we normally enjoy a very juicy summer with a lot of humidity in the air. But for some reason, the atmosphere that we experienced this year was extra dry. And that coupled with the heat itself, coupled with the drought in its most extreme state that it's been in, those three things were apparently a Mm. perfect storm for Creating fire hazards in places and with activities that we would have never thought before were just too easy. And so what was happening was, say, for instance, you know, it's littering, but somebody throws a cigarette out. We had that. On the side of the road. You got it many times. But what the difference was is the fire wasn't just catching. It was spreading fast. Yeah. And it was not only because of the wind, but because the atmosphere and the way it was, it was allowing for the embers to literally live on the air longer. The wind was taking it further and then it was just out of control. Acres and acres and acres. Yeah. As we got closer to being able to lift the burn ban, which we were able to do two weeks ago, the really big question that we needed from the fire department was, how are you seeing the fire behavior? Is it back to your familiar, it's here? And it's staying here and we have time to get to it and keep it here? Mm-hmm. Or is it still out of your grasp? And majority of them said it is behaving like we remember. So that was really the turning point. And then, of course, knowing that we had a, sort of a wet weather pattern starting to come. Um, I know. So. We were watching the forecast like, oh, a little bit of rain, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then nothing, and then we got a, a really good. We're still in so, a drought, yeah. though. If you look at the drought monitor, we're still in like the worst level because we're talking, you know, four months of nothingness. So it's not going to fill itself up. But really, it wasn't just the drought level mm-hmm. that we needed. We needed the atmosphere to change because we needed the fire behavior to return back to what these firefighters. Has needed. that changed now? The atmosphere has yes, changed. Okay. That was what fed into us primarily going into pulling back on the burn ban was okay. coupling the fire department telling us what they were seeing, but also the weather service saying what's going on with the atmosphere itself. There was a couple of different you know measurements that they would give us, and they just had so many people right. talking about fire, burn ban, weather. You know, like it seemed like yeah. they were trying to do their homework to. Get you to lift that burn ban, but yes. uh, but but that was something. To. Lots of people talking about, but I but I liked it. Like it spurred great discussions about why and community and sacrifice to get to the other side, which was which yeah. was pretty neat. So lots of things happening at the fire marshal's office. Thanks for for coming in here for chatting with us about it. Um, so social media website, tell us all how to find you, how to follow you uh, to learn more and to continue learning through the year. Right. So our website is L A S F. M.org, and that is where you can go if you would like to get a free smoke alarm installation. You can register there for that. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, and that is LA 
O-S-F-M. And then on Twitter, it is L.A. Fire Marshal. We don't have an Instagram, but our Fire Academy does, and that is Louisiana Fire and Emergency Training Academy. Um, And just really overall, on your general media that you follow, you know, we are such great partners. They are such great partners to us in helping us elevate these important messages all the time. And at the end of the day, if we've got you thinking about it, if we've got you talking about it, we've got our job partly done. Well, you have partly done your job today because I have learned a lot. <laughs> I know, me too. Going home to check for all our, our The our action alarms. is the yes. second part of it. <laughs> getting it? you to take action after I've told you something and getting you to talk about it, taking that action is the second part. And that's, of course, the biggest part because you have to be invested in your own life-saving action. Yeah. I feel like we could put donation in your <laughs> yeah. in your talk. So we want you to think about it, talk about it, right? We hope we spur that. And then we hope that you take action and go to the registry and, and register to be a donor. Uh, and you know about organ donation, right? Absolutely. Everybody <laughs> in my family, everybody that I know, and I am part of spreading that word as well. It's not just I'm hearing you, I'm doing it, but I'm encouraging others to do the same as well. Certainly spreading those stories while they can be Um, you know, tragic on the front end, there is never an opportunity that someone else cannot learn and take advantage of trying to save another life or even their own going forward from that. Uh, And that's always been something very great about Mm -hmm. this organization is that it gives that opportunity that when tragedy strikes, it's not doesn't have to be the end of tragedy for everyone, Mm -hmm. you know. Told you you'd love her, right? I do. <laughs> this was great. All right, Miss Ash, thanks for so coming. So glad you're here. You can come back anytime with important messages. We certainly appreciate that. And um, thanks for spreading our message as well. Thank you all so much. Here on The Gifted Life, we're taking a moment for mental health. We're trying to be our best, Nyla. How? How do we do that? I don't think many people wake up and go, hey, let me think about my mental health, do they? You don't? Thinking about 12 million things that have to get done before I can hit that bed again. (laughs) But then if your stomach hurts, what, what do you think? You think about, oh, what, what can I do to make it better? How True. I, True. Yeah. yeah. And then if your child's stomach hurts, the first thing you probably think is, oh, oh you got to make it better. Yeah. yeah. Do I send them to school? What do I do? Yeah. But we're now, when we're having a hard time or mm-hmm. we're struggling through something or we're not sure what to do or we're confused, I don't know. We don't think about it. We just push through it and just put it on the back burner. Mm-hmm. So I'm just encouraging you to kind of take us a, a pause and think about your mental health. Okay. And so a really great website is Mental Health America. And, um, you know, it kind of talks about they get some great tips and it just says, you know, like if you don't have any concerns right now, then what a great, great way to just stay mentally healthy. Checking in with yourself, asking, you know, others to to kind of say, how do you think I'm doing? You know, like, how are we? You know, Lori, how are you and I? If you're like, well, no, you've been really distant. Well, then I might want to ask myself, huh? What's going on with me? You're really uh, good about asking those questions. I, and then when I get when I when I'm further away from you, you know, it's later on in the day, and I'm thinking, oh, she was checking in on me. <gasps> and I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> but you're the best at it. I have to learn. I have a friend who says that my voice comes in her head when she's washing dishes, <laughs> and she's always like, "Okay, how am I doing? How am I doing?" But you know, they're they're also um, a mental health. Like, 
America. They also have some like little tests that you can take on depression, um, anxiety. And so these are things that you can do if you think you're kind of struggling. Maybe take some of these tests and take it to your doctor, right? We don't want to do life alone. We, we heal in community. I think we live in community. So we have to like we have to bring more than just ourselves into our life uh, when it comes to mental health. And so there's definitely times that we have trouble and we're in crisis. And that's where we want to encourage people, call a crisis line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they even have something. It is called a warm line. I just learned about this when I was kind of oh, prepping for this. It? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so every state has a warm line. And so maybe if you're not in a full-blown crisis, but you need someone to talk to, mm-hmm. um, you can even go to this Mental Health America, and then it will link you over to these warm lines. Or you can just Google Louisiana warm line. And they don't even take the calls until the evening. But, you know, for the evening, that's a hard time mm-hmm. for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So I always say you can call the 988 number. Mm -hmm. That is a crisis line, but they will get you in touch with the right person. There's somebody on the line that is trained to help you through that difficult decision. I will say that one time I was talking to somebody who manned the, um, the crisis line, and they said that they had this one woman who, what a crisis was, that she couldn't make decisions at important times. Mm. It wasn't life threatening Mm -hmm. decisions she needed to make, but she called this crisis line. And over time, they helped her learn how to make some decisions. Yeah. And and, and told her like, hey, we're here. We're here. Because that was a crisis for her. Yeah. Um, They also have a chat line. Um, They have the crisis text line. A one-stop shop for a lot of things. It really is. And then that warm line, if you just need a warm voice to talk to and you're feeling lonely. Um, and you're kind of scared to call, call the crisis line because you don't feel like you're really mm-hmm. in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Every state has different different hours, different numbers. But this is just something I, I just encourage people to explore. I think that we can always look for a better quality of life, mm-hmm. but we have to be an active part of that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So just something to think about. I like that. Maybe you have a topic you'd like us to cover. Email us info at thegiftedlife.org. Today, in our question and answer segment, Lori, I think this is you. Okay. I would like to have someone come to my civic group to teach our members about the importance of donation. Is this something that's possible? I am doing a dance in my chair (laughs) because, yes, I love this question. And yes, 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 you can request a free speaker to come and talk about donation. It is that simple. So Loba.org, if you call the organ procurement organization where you are, I'm sure they have similar um, programs. But here in Louisiana, Loba.org slash speaker. And you just put in your information. We have 12 people that meet for lunch on Wednesdays every month. Uh, Could you come? So our questions are... Are, how long do we have? We're very flexible. Maybe you have 15 minutes. Maybe you have an hour. Um, would you like me to bring a speaker? Uh, do you guys want stats? So we just kind of ask what it is that we can provide for you. We have lots of resources and we can do that. But I love when I get to call a volunteer and say, hey, we're going to talk to this group and we're going to teach them about donation. And our volunteers are so open, like ask questions. Do you want to know if I'm on medication? Do I have a scar? Um, what were my feelings like when this happened? Um, how is my child now? Like, like we get all of those questions, but it's just a really good conversation from people who really 
just had an answer and didn't have any or have a question and didn't know where to go to get that answer. So we love spending time with you. We love getting to meet you guys and learn what you do. But we love when you invite us in. So please, 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 lobo.org slash speaker. Was that too much? Was I too no, excited? Okay. I just, the reason I started laughing is because if, if the audience could see you, you light up. When you talk oh, about being it. with people, I mean, it's, it's, it's just fun to watch you. So. Oh, and then when I go out, we always take pictures. So just keep, keep that in mind if you are assigned in the Baton Rouge area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lori. If you have a question, give us a call. We love your questions. 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero, Daniel Reese. We learn about Daniel from his family. Daniel registered to be an organ donor. He knew it was the right thing to do. It's the kind of thing you sign up for that you don't really think you will end up doing, at least not anytime soon. Despite missing our son, brother, and uncle every day, we are glad he had that heart on his driver's license. Through his wanderlust, Daniel traveled through much of America's and Europe, and his eyes saw the beauty of so much of this world. The majestic view after climbing 14,000 feet, sunsets around the globe, the architecture of old Europe, the smiles of his young nephew as he danced to Daniel's music, and through his gift of sight, another person has a chance to share in that beauty. As someone with so many varied interests, cooking, music, dance, travel, science, hiking, biking, to name a few, it is hard to pick the thing that is so Daniel. But above all, Daniel was kind, ethical, hardworking, and an intelligent young man. He wanted to help make the world a better place. That was his essence. Our hope is that somehow the many people who benefit from his tissue can share in even a little of that essence. The world can use more Daniel in it. And now we pause and say thank you to Daniel for the gift of life. Episode 233 of The Gifted Life in the books. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, you can register as an organ tissue and eye donor anytime. Registerme.org. Special thanks to Ashley Rodrigue from the State Fire Marshal's office. We appreciate the partnership in order to save more lives. The best place to find us, guys, is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. Listen there and find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find us. We're also on social. Check out our Facebook page, The Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at gifted life pod thanks for joining us today tell your friends about the gifted life podcast and go out and do something you would normally do to help us make life happen thanks guys this is a production of the louisiana organ procurement agency or lopa the gifted life is hosted by Lori Steele, joey boudreau and nyla schwab our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. 